then to switch immediately in, in this one, we got to play the B minor. So, absolutely. Oh, I thought it was me messing. I was like, that did not sound right. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. Tell it on the mountain is 90% chance it's going to just be first service. And we're not going to do closing for a second service. I'd rather run the other stuff. Are you good with Go Tell on the Mountain, Dave? Yeah. Ladies, we're not going to practice Go Tell on the Mountain. Or we can do like a course in a verse. We're going to sing it. It's closing. Yeah. It's Go Tell on the Mountain. It's literally the same. It's Still, clearly, we need to. Yeah. Okay, clearly, need I needed to practice. <laughs> we need to practice Go Tell on the Mountain. I mean, uh, oh, holy oh, holy night. Oh, yeah. That was a train wreck. Well, yeah. that's why we practice, Ashley. Jeez. <laughs> you guys are terrible. What is that we were, not? Yeah, we were what's there. that filthy noise coming from the corner over here, the garage band? <laughs> I the garage band. Because I was like, <laughs> trying, trying to find that low note. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. All right, let's I just run. It's 9.04, yeah, so we got time. Do all of them again? Yeah. Yes. All of them? Yes. Yeah. We're do Not all of them. I don't know about it's Christmas. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah we know yeah. that one. I, let's do the joyful, joyful, and then this one's super I was hard. trying to dance, but Haley just kept looking at it. And that's why, and that's why we dropped it down. That's why we dropped it down to what we did. Let's do that. He keeps spitting outside. Listen, we always talk about having a spittoon on stage during practice because everything just breaks loose. Oh, that's right. You don't spit in the wind. That got out of control quickly. So second service after the program, we're probably not going to do Go Tell It on the Mountain for closing. So. So. Okay, we'll let you come up here. And you will come up here and sing it. This is true. <laughs> this is true. All right, joyful to the world. What's that? You can announce it without the kids. Why? Because they're coming to our house. Oh. What? I think, <laughs> I think mine's coming though. The oldest one is. I have Are you no want idea all what's going on. You, uh, you can have all four of them for real if you want. That's fine. That would be Haley. I've got meat as, to smoke. As long as it's free. <laughs> all right, we're going to do this joy to the world. Hannah's coming tomorrow night, right? Joy to the world. Yeah.
I dropped out. I don't have a key on my, it's okay. Yeah, that, that's, that was the one thing, or one of the things I changed is, That sounds better. That's fine. Yeah. Because I, I, that didn't make sense. Yeah. Questions on this one? Pre-service. It's five minutes. Five minutes. <clears throat> um, and we have enough time to do this. What child is this? Yes. What child is this? We're gonna run. We're gonna run. What child is this as well? Okay. Okay. You good? Okay. You good? You need me? You good? Okay. Okay. Okay, well, be safe. Yes. Thanks a bunch. So are you able to hear anything out of this at all? Yes. Yeah, I hear the music. Okay. I don't I don't know if I have any of the mics. Check, check. Yeah, I can hear myself in there. We thank you that we get the chance to worship today as one body one family. We thank you that this is a time of joy, time of celebration. Thank you, Father, that we can look forward to um, the end, that we can look forward to eternity today because of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of your Son. We thank you, Father, that we have reason to celebrate because of your incredible love that you, you, you show to us, you pour out to us all the time, every day. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been on a dangerous journey or a difficult journey? Uh, probably some of you have. I have. Uh, I've been on journeys that would shake you to the core. Uh, many of these journeys, uh, I was unsure if I would return, and every time I returned, I was changed. Uh, there was reason for thanksgiving and celebration that God saw me through these various journeys and these struggles and these dangers. We called it family vacation. That's <laughs> and a lot of you know full well I'm telling the truth, right? Some of them were unpredictable, and some of them we did get to the end of it, and we thought, how did we wind up here? What are the odds that we've seen it through? And uh, they can be, they could be trying. I'll tell you, in all seriousness, though, they were a lot of fun, and it made a, an impact on my life and the life of our family. But all joking aside, perhaps you have been on a difficult journey or a dangerous journey, and perhaps you are now. It may not be one that is, in a physical sense, in a far-off land, but maybe in your own heart, in your own mind, maybe in the different dangers that you face spiritually, mentally, and emotionally in this world and in this life. Perhaps to some extent, we are all on a difficult and dangerous journey. 
a nine-month, that is, full-term woman traveling. From what I understand, that's not even pleasant today. And you can imagine it wasn't pleasant 2,000 years ago. Traveling roughly 80 miles from Nazareth, Nazareth to Bethlehem, that's, I don't know, here to Toledo, or maybe the other side of Dayton. You know, most of our plays, most of our nativities have Mary riding a donkey uh, or a horse or a camel or something, and perhaps that was the case. Of course, Scripture doesn't mention anything specifically about that. Walking, no doubt, was involved in this difficult journey, most probably with a group of people, and they travel with a group of people, yes, for provision and to help, but primarily for protection. So not only was this journey difficult, but it was also dangerous. Well, hopefully then, when they got to the end or they got to their destination, they would be able to rest and relax. Feather beds and hot tubs and room service at the Bethlehem Resort. Or better yet, maybe a clean hospital room with doctors and nurses and orderlies running around. And of course, we know that the bitter journey continued. There were no plush surroundings or friends or family or fanfare. There was instead a barn out back. And think about this. This is where Joseph now had to tell his wife that she was going to have their child. The journey continued. So we're not talking about just Mary's bitter journey, but Joseph's as well. Put yourself in his shoes. Imagine telling your wife that this is all we can do. This is all I can provide. Imagine what rolls around in his mind if he's wondering if he's doing the right thing. That somehow he's made a mistake up to this point. After all, this is God's son heralded by an angel. Did he wonder during this bitter journey if he was a failure? Did he entertain the thought, can I do this? Can I see this through to the end? What about raising Jesus, both of them? Imagine God the Creator coming to you and saying, hey, look, I want you to raise my son, to raise him well, raise him properly. Immediately, this burden can come upon our shoulders, wondering how many times we're going to mess this up. I've I've messed things up before with Sam. He recovers. Uh, Kids do. But imagine the thoughts going through their heads. Did they say something they wish they hadn't? Did they mess up with discipline or education? And then, of course, there's the birth of Jesus himself, most always extremely difficult, painful. And this clear from Genesis Genesis chapter 3, to the woman he said, that as God said, I'm going to make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So at the end of this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they found no room. They found no comfort. They found no sanctuary. Because the journey was going to continue. But what did they find when they got to Bethlehem? They found their son. They had their boy. You see, this is the joy 
that they got to experience. They had the Christ in their midst. And you know parts of the story. There were angels singing, shepherds proclaiming, and kings bowing down in worship. What was the end of this bitter journey? Mary held God in her arms. Luke chapter 2, but Mary treasured up all these things. And she pondered them in her heart. This wasn't the only time Mary was going to face a bitter journey. As you can imagine, much of her life was difficult. Joseph's as well. They were fugitives on the run as they escaped to Egypt for seven or eight years after Jesus was born. Think about that. (coughs) They were removed from what they knew. They were removed from what was familiar. And they, like you, were foreigners in a foreign land. While they were away, we talk about Christmas as a time of joy and peace and love and, and, and celebration. Let's remember the whole story. While they were away, <clears throat> many children were killed on account of their son. The Bible doesn't say this, yet I wonder if unimaginable guilt plagued Mary and Joseph, either hearing about it in Egypt or hearing about it when they return with what seems to be collateral damage all around them. Once again, do you think they wondered if they were doing the right thing, if they should continue on this journey? Did they wonder if they understood God's direction properly? Was there an enticement? Is there an enticement for you, a temptation to just lay low? From here on out, whatever we do, don't let Jesus cause a stir. For it seems that danger and destruction surrounds Jesus. You know, sometimes we forget that Jesus himself even admitted these things. He says, look, I've not come to bring peace to the world, but I've come to bring a sword. A sword of truth. It divides. People struggle with this. Families can break down because of this. It's very hard for the human being to address unvarnished truth. And the journey doesn't end for Mary. It's reasonable to assume that Joseph, her pious and I believe very wise husband, passes away. A difficult journey in Mary's life to be left alone. And now she relies upon her children. She relies upon Jesus and her other sons. But perhaps the bitterest journey was the one that she saw Jesus take as, she, as he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem. You know, over 30 years before he carried his cross, Mary was told about this bitter journey from Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Listen to this. And a sword will pierce your own soul as well. So her son carried his cross. 
the very cross onto which he was nailed. I wonder if she tried to talk him out of it. I wonder if she was apprehensive. I wonder if she in her time with God asked the same thing Jesus did. If it's possible, let this cup pass from him. After all, she is a mother. And this is her little boy. She watched him die. You talk about a bitter journey. What about your bitter journey? Does life seem bitter today? Does it seem difficult? Did it seem difficult yesterday? Are you uh, imagining that it may be difficult tomorrow? Mary knew what it was to walk a better journey, but that wasn't the end. Jesus' death wasn't the end. For if there is a journey that bitter, imagine how sweet it was to see that first reunion between mother and son as they and we realized that not even death could hold Jesus. Do you, are you like me? I was thinking about this last night. <clears throat> I find it a bit ironic that death could not hold Jesus, but his mom could. His mom could. Mary and Joseph at the Christmas story, Mary at the Easter story is not terribly unlike you and me. I don't know that the Christian walk has to be bitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know that it's supposed to be bitter. But I do know that life is hard. I do know that it's harder for some than others. But nevertheless, it's hard for all. And it's even harder if you want to follow Jesus. Don't, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the nonsense that once I start following Jesus, life's going to get easier. In fact, time after time after time, Jesus tells us quite the opposite. The life gets harder. It is right and it's good, but it's harder. It's perhaps the mistake we make. We equate peace and joy with ease, and that's not the case. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, <clears throat> all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was at Marmon Valley last night, speaking, with 16 wagons that go by, me and Cody. <clears throat> and I used up all the voice I have, apparently. I thought, you, you and I both thought I had a lot more voice, didn't we? His burden is light, his yoke is easy, but bear in mind, this was the internal strife and struggle that people face. This was the guilt that plagues our heart and our mind. Jesus says, no, no, no. He says, my yoke is easy to follow after me, to love your Father, to love those around you. My burden is light. I don't demand that you 
check off the boxes and make sure you have these sacrifices and those sacrifices. But even still, the outside battles and the difficulty of the journey not only remains, but it's foretold. We've been talking about how Christmas is the, the first last days, which is true. The first last days of death and darkness and bondage. The first last days of separation. Yet we still live in and we still slog through the fallen world. John chapter 16, Jesus telling his disciples about the struggles they will face. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I've defeated the world. Think about this in your own life. In the very same breath, Jesus promises peace and difficulty. Peace and difficulty. In the same words. We too are foreigners in a foreign land, and you ought to see yourself as such. If you do not, you don't see yourself the way Scripture does. We have the home awaiting. We have the real eternal table awaiting. This is foreign to us. This is not the way it is meant to be. It's not the way it was designed. It's not the way it's going to be. We exist as foreigners in a foreign land. And the closer we come to Christ, the more this is apparent and the harder it is to deal with. We too believe the sword, the Bible, the word of truth. And in your life, you might experience this. Truth divides, as Jesus said it would. We too can face those who hate what we follow. Even friends and family can hate what we profess. And maybe you've struggled with this. We too can wonder if we're doing the right thing, making the right choices. We can be tempted to wonder why, if we are in God's presence, if we are in God's will, why there is no room, no inn, no hospital, no ease, and very little comfort. 1 John chapter 5, in fact, this is love for God to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God, listen now, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, this that we're about to say, this is the picture of our life. This, this, what we are called to persevere through. And the promised sweetness at journey's end. Romans chapter 8, Paul puts it this way, and this is on your bulletin cover. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We talked about this last week. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Listen now. If, well, you hate to see the word if sometimes in Scripture, don't you? If can be a very big word. If, indeed, we share in His sufferings in order that we may also Share in His glory. Do you suffer? Many times, if we're confronted with this question, I think sometimes this thought in our head 
says, well, not if I can help it. Not if I can help it. Let me help you out. Don't follow Jesus. It's that easy. It's that easy. When confronted with the foreign land, when confronted with the difficult journey that this life is, when confronted with all of these hardships and all these struggles, as Jesus promised we were going to have, if you don't want to suffer, don't follow Jesus. It's it's not a, a hard answer, but it's one that leads to death if we deny who and what Jesus is, if we deny that with our life, if we refuse to suffer with Him. Paul goes on to say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, I've heard from many, almost every mom that I've ever talked to about such things, that as painful as the process is, once that little baby is in your arms, all the thought of pain fades into the background as you experience the joy of this new life. That suffering, while memorable, is not even worth comparing to the joy found in this union. And I know there's a lot of moms in here who would agree with me. So do you suffer? Pick one. Mockery. Ridicule. Persecution. Hatred for what you believe. Do you suffer in self-control? Do you? Well, that's a, that's a battle, isn't it? That's a battle. That fire that burns. And you're controlling yourself. That's a suffering. That's a battle. Or do we say, I'm not going to suffer. I'm going to vent. If you find venting in the health of venting and the, the, the good aspect of venting in Scripture, by all means, please let me know, okay? As you're reading through, please point that out to me. I'm, I'm going to need that because I can't find it yet. I do find a lot about self-control. I do find a lot about humility, and I find a lot about suffering. Do you suffer through dying to yourself? Let me ask you this. Who or what is at odds with Jesus in your life? Do you suffer through spiritual surgery? This is what Jesus tells us, not in the physical sense. Pluck out the eye. Cut off the hand. Do we suffer with Christ? As Mary suffered in her journey to the bitter end. Jesus suffered in his journey to the bitter end. Do we suffer? Some sufferings are what we might call large, and some are what we might call small, though it's really in the eye of the beholder. But we are all called in a foreign world to face suffering for Jesus. That is, we face suffering instead of giving up on Jesus or giving in. So what competes with Jesus in your life?
does, does Christmas define who and what you are? Does the Easter message define who and what you are? Or is there something else that crowds in and competes with Jesus as king in your life? I, I hope there's nothing. 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. That's a hard thing to do, church. The elders were talking about this the other night. And I'll just confess to you, I'm not there yet. And, and I cannot be satisfied with loving things of this world. I cannot be satisfied with loving myself and still proclaiming Jesus King and Lord my life. I can't rest in that journey. Do not love the world or anything in the world, because if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. That's the challenge. That's the challenge that we face. It's the challenge that Jesus faced in his ministry. It's the challenge that Mary and Joseph faced on their journey through their raising of Jesus Christ. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are going to pass away, church. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Jesus gives us a picture of this forever. Because you and I are on the same journey. We're on the same struggle. We're in this, again, foreign land fighting, persevering, tripping, falling, picking ourselves back up and continuing on. We are almost at the stable. It's not time to stop. It's not time to turn around. It's not time, by the way, for Joseph to complain to Mary and Mary to complain to Joseph, to whine about the situation, to realize that they have a goal in mind. By the way, before we get to this last, how's your, how, how are your eyes? How's your sight? Can you see the end? Can you see eternity? Are your eyes fixed, not just on the stable, not just on the cross, but are they fixed on the new heaven and the new earth? Are they fixed on your new life? Because I promise you, if your eyes are not fixed on the new life, if they're not fixed on the end, then we're going to have a very difficult time persevering through this life, suffering for the cross and for Jesus Christ. We will come first. Jesus will come second. What are we going to do? We're going to talk ourselves into why that's okay in this particular situation. Stop it. You know it's nonsense. Stop it. Jesus first. I'm not there yet, church. But here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like to persevere. The brief glimpse of the sweet taste of glory for you and me. Revelation chapter 2, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2.11, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, will not be hurt at all by the second death. Revelation 2.17 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a brand new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Revelation 2.26, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I'm going to give authority over the nations. The one who will rule them with the iron scepter, dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Revelation 3, 5, to the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Revelation 3, 11, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Revelation 3.21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. I told you, we are co-heirs with Jesus Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church, if you are in and going through the difficult journey, you're not the only one. You're not the first. You won't be the last. And there's no excuses that we can offer to stop halfway from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There's no excuses we can offer to stop halfway from Bethlehem to the cross. There's no excuses we can offer to say to our God and our King, I will love you and I will die for you until I've got to suffer for you. Suffering is a part of life, church. But you have to believe me that it is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in every single person in this room. Don't take your eyes off the end. Don't take your eyes off eternity. You know, I was going to talk about Peter, but Randy already covered that for us. There's another story that maybe you've heard before. I've, I've probably told this story here before. It's just one that sticks in my mind. Florence Chadwick wanted to swim from Catalina Island to California. It's 22 miles. She was able to swim across the English Channel. That's 21 miles. And so she began this new challenge. She began this journey, this difficult struggle. The weather was foggy. It was chilly. She could barely see the boats that accompanied her, and she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother, in a boat beside her, encouraged her, told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, she was physically and emotionally exhausted. She stopped swimming, and she told them, she said, I have to be pulled out. So she was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered that the shore was less than half a mile away. The news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog 
I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I would have made it. What we go through in life, it's right to suffer for the cross. It's right to suffer for what you believe. It's right to suffer for Jesus Christ. But church, those sufferings, keep keep your eyes off the sufferings. Keep your eye trained and fixed on the glory that's going to be revealed in you and me as you come into your new kingdom. Jesus puts his arm around you and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're like me, you're going to say, Jesus, I screwed up a bunch. <laughs> and he'll remind me it was never about you. It was about me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus was born. We thank you that he lived We thank you that he died and he rose again. We thank you, Father, that Mary didn't quit, that Joseph didn't quit. We thank you that Jesus didn't quit, that time after time, trial after trial, suffering after suffering, they saw the end in mind, that Jesus knew that this glory that he was going to face, that we were going to face, is not worth comparing even to the nails of the cross Father, give us that same heart. Give us those same eyes as we go through our lives, as we struggle as foreigners in a foreign land. Help us to realize that when we suffer for Jesus Christ, we can celebrate because we have glory awaiting us. Father, we ask for perseverance. We ask for courage. We ask for the ability to see it through the struggle and the hardship and the difficulty. We thank you as this reminder today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
today, I don't have the chance to correct the mistakes that I made in the next service. That's, this is it. Uh, but you have a wonderful chance next service uh, to see our kids singing in the, in the play and the presentation. I've, been, I've just been excited about this for a while. So I encourage you to be back in here. And uh, until then, we'll see you then. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that we do get to celebrate Christmas time. We thank you, Father, that we get a chance today uh, to see the kids in this play and, and, and in this program. Father, we ask as we leave this place that we will remember that we get to, that we get to suffer for Jesus. That we get to slog through life with Jesus. We get to deny ourselves for Christ. And we get to make it all the way from Nazareth through Bethlehem, through the cross to eternity. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you told us it was going to be hard. We know you don't hide anything from us. Help us to be courageous. Help us to persevere. Help us to follow that journey. In Jesus' name, amen.